I'd like to start off with something funny. My friend, I have a friend down in Houston, Texas. He pastors a church. My friend Joel, um, you may have heard of the church Lakewood. This is a decent sized church. Um, he always likes to start with something funny, and I like to start with something funny as well. Um, my job at UT Tyler is I'm an advisor for the College of Business. I've been doing that for almost a year now. And before that, I worked in admissions for three years, traveled across Texas, recruiting the students. And uh, with Kenny Lang being him used to do that, heard some very interesting things from students. Um, helping them figure out what they want to do with their lives, and they realize, you realize really quickly, they don't have any clue what they're doing. Um, some students thought that if they majored in radiology, by the time they finish, they could be a DJ. Uh, one student was constantly asking me, how much is the tuition at UT Tyler? And it took me the longest time to figure out she was talking about tuition, but she kept saying tuition and was getting frustrated at me because I didn't understand what language she was talking about. So tuition and tuition are exactly the same. And then we constantly had students come in our office that would try to negotiate their way into UT Tyler. You had to have at least a two-point GPA for transfer grades. That's a C average. Students would come in, and clear, Kenny clearly remembers this one student looking at his transcript and saying, uh, so y'all take a 1.5? No, sir, you must have a 2.0 GPA. Okay, okay, what if I take a bunch of classes and it gets up to a 1.837952? Will you take that? Sir, this is not a negotiation table. We are not negotiating a contract. You must have a 2.0 GPA. So we ran into some very interesting students. Now my job as advisor, I get to sit behind a desk very comfortably and work on students' degree plans, help advise them, and I get to listen to a lot of sermons. Um, I can listen to I listen to sports podcasts as well because I'm a big sports fan. But occasionally I get to listen to some just encouraging words from the Lord. And today I tried to go back through all the equipped classes, listen to Pastor Corey, and I came to Martin, who again did a phenomenal job over the past three weeks. But I came upon a part of his message when he said, "And quote, I would love to speak about the authority of the believer." <laughs> Um, but Roger's the baby of the church, and so he got first. He got his pick, and then you know that's he gets his way. Um, first of all, I don't want to argue with this point. Uh, as Pastor Gordon said, I've been here a while. But to quote the great psalmist of our generation, Miss Taylor Swift, she said that haters are gonna hate, 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 and she finished it. I'm just gonna shake, shake it off. So I'm just going to shake it off because really as believers at times, you will have to shake off a lot of stuff that people try to throw on you. Thank you, Mark, for being the, the end of my joke there. Um, but you will have to shake off different things. And sometimes it comes from people you least expect it to come from. I've read a quote somewhere where somebody said that, you know, you can't be betrayed by a complete stranger. Usually when the, a betrayal happens in our lives, it's because someone's close to us. Guess what? God has given us a bunch of tools to recover from that, to walk in forgiveness towards other people. It's not easy, but we have that ability, and that is not in my notes. So turn to your neighbor and say, that's something extra. So we're going to start off talking about, so it's the reality of the Spirit, and particularly your authority in the Spirit. Before we start off, in John 14, 26, it says, I will give you the comfort of the Holy Spirit that I send you will teach you all things which I have taught you. So it's very important that while you're taking notes, you're not being taught by me, by Roger Sims Jr. If you have set an expectation on, I'm coming to hear Roger teach and I'm excited to hear what he has to say because I've known Roger for a long time or Roger seems really cool or whatever, and all these things come to your head of why you came and you're put the expectation on my teaching, you are limiting what God can say to you. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that does the teaching. So your expectation should be on Holy Spirit, I am ready to be taught by your word this evening. Because I'm only going to speak from what God has poured into me and what God has said to me. And hopefully you will gain something from that. But the Holy Spirit knows exactly where each and every one of us are at in our lives. He knows exactly what you are needing today. And it may trigger something completely different. And Pastor Corey actually said this in the first session of Equip. It may trigger something completely off subject. 
Guess what? We'll record it. You can come back and listen to it later. But if God starts speaking to you and he says, you need to go into Psalms, you need to go into John, you need to go into Ephesians because I'm about to say something that you've been praying for and standing for for a long time. Guess what? Don't waste your time listening to me. Go. I mean, get up and leave. I mean, stay here because there's going to be some revelation coming from my notes. But God has revelations particularly, specifically for you. So the Holy Spirit is going to do the teaching. And so I just want to add on to your prayer, Pastor Corey, and just say that, Lord, we set our expectations on you to speak to us tonight. Lord, we don't set our expectation on me, but on you, Father, in Jesus' name. So the reality of the Spirit. You cannot fully understand your authority in the Spirit before you get an understanding of the spiritual realm and its inhabitants. So this has kind of been the flow of the equipped classes. First, start about the integrity of the word. Again, Pastor Corey, to reiterate what Pastor Corey said, is that none of this means anything to you if God's word is not the first and foremost authority in your life. Amen? If God's word can be compromised in your life, if it's negotiable in your life, it's going to be hard to receive the integrity of God's word. It's going to be hard to receive anything from the prophetic. As a matter of fact, it's going to be impossible to receive anything that Martin talked about the past three weeks if God's word is not the foremost, fourth, first thing in your life. We live in the United States of America. We have something that was called the Constitution. If there is a dispute and a case, it can go up through different appellate courts, different judicial courts, all the way until it lands into the Supreme Court. If they deem something as unconstitutional, it's considered wrong, regardless. Now, they made amendments and things like that, but if it comes against the Constitution as unconstitutional, it's, it's negative, it's bad. Just like the Supreme Court does that, we have to do that with God's Word. If anything tries to come against God's Word, something that God has spoken to you, something that God's Word has said, said about you, says that you are more than a conqueror, says that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, which that's week three, if anything comes against that and you try to negotiate, there's an issue. God's word, the spoken word of God, the written word of God, what he has breathed on into your life has to be the first thing, and there's no compromise there. And that's through this class and the rest of the classes when we do the second set of sessions next year. Uh, beginning next year, God's word still has to remain first and foremost in your life. Okay, so we're talking about, again, the authority and the spirit. And starting off, the first thing we're going to talk about is that you are a spirit. You are a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. So you are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. I'm going to try to do a little bit more teaching than preaching. If I go off on a rant, y'all just hoop and holler with me and shout amen. But I'm going to try to go line upon line and let's try to learn and teach some things that God is speaking to us here tonight. So turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 9. So Romans chapter 8, first point, you are a spirit. And when you get there, say, I'm ready, Jesus. Do not talk to me. Again, the Holy Spirit is teaching you. So only like two people got there. I guess everyone's still finding it. Okay, and I'm going to read out the Amplified Version. But you are not living the life of the flesh. You are living the life of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you and it directs and controls you. But if anyone does not possess the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He does not belong to Christ. He is not truly a child of God. But if Christ lives in you, then your natural body is dead by reason of sin and guilt. The Spirit is alive because of the righteousness that he imputes into you. And the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dead dwells in you, then he who raised up Christ from the dead will also restore to life your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, 
we are not obligated to our carnal nature to live a life ruled by standards set up by the dictates of the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will surely die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you are putting to death the deeds prompted by the body, you will live forever. But all, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So he talks about clearly that we are no longer in the flesh. We are in the Spirit. So again, beginning to understand your authority and everything that God has planned for us, we have to understand that we are no longer in this flesh. We are in the spirit. And so we're not dictated by the things of this world. If you, are, if you think you should be, just turn on any of the news stations and see what's going on and ask if do you want that to run your life. And everybody's like, oh, oh. So, no, uh-uh. Because there's just craziness going on but you have to understand, we are in this world, we're not of this world. We're not called to dictate, be dictated by those things. And the other thing is stepping in, again, to your understanding of the Spirit, you have to understand that it's not just about the things, um, <coughs> it's specifically about the things that we do not speak, do not see. So if you want to, if spiritual realm sounds too spooky or too weird, which it shouldn't because Martin, again, talked about the prophetic, stepped into that. It's not weird. But it's the things that we do not see. When we were listening, me and my wife, Olivia, my beautiful wife, everybody knows my wife, Olivia, over there. Um, we were listening to a podcast by Jimmy and Karen Evans, and he talked about how children would draw pictures of him while they were in church. Some of you guys may have heard this. And first it was cute because a kid would come up and show him a picture, and they'd draw a picture of him standing on stage, and they'd draw, like, two big angels by him. And he thought, oh, that's really cute. That's really... That's really sweet that they, you know, believe God is protecting me and things like that. But then more kids drew pictures, and all kids would put a picture of Jimmy standing there preaching, and they put like five angels, or they put like a drawn angel, and one would have like three wings coming out, and one would have like all these different eyes, or they would draw six angels by him. Multiple kids drawing pictures of seeing a picture of Jimmy Evans and then angels around him. So again, not anything spooky, but these are things that are unseen. There are angels with us right now. The Bible says that those, when two of them are gathered in my name, there I am. So the Lord Jesus is here with us. God is here. He dwells. It says he inhabits the praises of his people. And if you want to read some more crazy, crazy stuff, go to Revelations and read the, about the end times and what they're going to see about different eyes and, and things. And again, this is not to scare you, but just to be, the reality is that there are things that we do not see that exist. And when you wrap your mind around that concept, again, then you're not limiting yourself to just this realm. You're not limiting yourself to what you can see. And that comes to the next point because you have a soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now your soul is considered the part of you that is logically solves problems and situations. That the things that come up in your life, your soul will try to answer them logically based off things it understands. So things that happen that you process in your mind, you will go logically from, point, from step A to step B. Well, this person said they were my friend, but then every time I try to contact them, they don't return my phone call. So therefore, they probably don't like me. We'll logically solve those questions. We'll, we'll say, well, you know what? Anytime the worship team plays a certain song, I really feel good about it. So this must be the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And it's based off of feels. But you know, when they play that song, that sounds like a hymn. I don't really like hymns. They're not my favorite, so I can't, I can't really get into the worship because I don't feel good. I don't feel the Holy Spirit moving. Or whenever someone else preaches named Pastor Chris, I don't like the way he, he talks, and, and so I don't really feel good about it. That's your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions trying to logically understand things that are going on in the Spirit by what it can perceive by what it understands. That's exactly what happened. This is later, but that's exactly what happened when Jesus was at the 
the, with, the, with the woman at the well. He was talking about things of the spirit. She was talking about things completely in the natural. And if you read constantly this, there's just two conversations going on. Where she's like, well, if I'm never going to thirst again, why don't you give me some of this water, hook the sister up, so I don't have to come back to this well constantly. And Jesus is just like, no, you're, you're, not, you're not getting the point. So we try to, it tries to understand. Matter of fact, I'm going to turn over there because I want to read something really, really interesting that I came across. And Olivia got this sermon, so you're going to get, she's going to get it a second time. But I got this new cool Bible, which has the New Testament in the original Greek that it was written in, or Hebrew. It's Hebrew, right? Hebrew, Greek, not Greek. Greek, yes, thank you. See? Y'all already participating. This is making fun. Um, and what it does, it does not add English words to make the sentence structure fit into how we would understand it. So it takes directly from the Greek, and it brings the word right down there. So if it sounds weird, it's because it is. If you've ever watched Star Wars, and you know this little creature named Yoda, who's the baddest little dude in the whole film series, it will sound a lot like how he talks. Thank you, Mama. So when it goes into... So talk about, so again, story of Jesus the well, most of us have heard of this, and I'm going to start, um, let's see, what verse I'm going to start out, Lord? Um, this is in John chapter, I believe it's chapter 4. Make sure I'm at the right place. Yes, John chapter 4, if you'd like to turn there, but you do not have to. And verse 19 says, She's, so I'm just going to read exactly how it's written, so it's going to sound weird. <coughs> Says to him the woman, Sir, I perceive that a prophet art thou, our fathers in this mountain worship, and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where it is necessary to worship. Says to her Jesus, Woman, believe me, that is coming in an hour when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You worship what you know not. We worship what we know, for salvation of the Jews is... But, verse 23, but is coming an hour, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for also the Father such seeks who worships him. A spirit God is, and they that worship him in spirit and truth must worship. So first of all, when I said that you are a spirit, because God is a spirit, that is the way that you must connect to him. But here's... The revelation that just blew my mind away when I read it the first time. And I'm reading again. A spirit God is, and they that worship him in spirit and in truth must worship. Because I've always heard the scripture say that those that worship the Father in spirit and truth must worship him in spirit and in truth. But instead, in the original, it says God said that those that worship in spirit and in truth must worship. Being a spirit just like in our flesh, we have to eat. Do we not? Yes. Has anybody gone a couple days without food? Or, or I'll ask this. Has anybody gone a few hours past the normal time where you <laughs> normally eat, like lunch or dinner, and it feels like everything is going wrong and you just have a short fuse? It's like, I wish somebody would park in my parking space. I wish they would take a long time to you're at the bank and there's someone in front of you that's just like counting really slow that everything is just so easily upsetting to you because you're hungry because it's past the time. You get hangry. Hungry and angry. It just happens that fast. But God said just as that is necessary food for us, God says for your spirit it is necessary. You must worship. It's not something that you can negotiate with me about because your spirit is going to grow weak. Just like we feed our bodies, we have to feed, feed our spirits. And one way we do that is through worship. You do that through the word. And so sometimes people get into conversations and they say, again, still talking about your authority in the spirit. Understanding, still talking about that, but necessary for your spirit is worship. And people will discuss things. Well, you know, I'm not really big into worship. That's not my cup of tea. That's not something that I really like to do. Like, I'm just a, a quiet worshiper. You can be a quiet worshiper. We don't want you to, to run around the sanctuary if you're just doing it for a show. 
But understand, it's necessary for you to worship, for your spirit to grow. And so if you take, just like if you were to take worship off every Sunday, you begin to take that out of your life, it would just be like taking something like water out of your life and then realizing, why am I always sick? Why is my body not as strong as it should be? Because your body needs water. Your spiritual man, spirit body, who you really are, needs worship. For those that are spirit and in truth must Worship. Must worship. So RJ, you can thank that. Thank for me for that on Sunday when everybody just starts laying out of the spirit on Sunday. (laughs) Roger said, I gotta worship, so let me just get here with sanctuary. So anyway. So your spirit, you have a soul. Your soul tries to figure things out logically. Logically. I don't know what that was, logically. Logically. And you live in a body. Now here's the important part. Now this is the one. That Paul says that is an enemy against God in Romans 8, which, we'll, which we read over, is an enemy against God. By default, your body is led by its soul. So by default, without any explanation, without any understanding, it's led by your mind, your will, and your emotions. It makes sense, but that also can verify why people who are not saved do things the way they do. When you read in the news or you read these stories, how in the world could he do that? How in the world could she say that? How could she go do that? Because they are led by their mind, their will, and their emotions. They're led by what they feel. So by default, their flesh is going to do whatever they feel. That's why the Bible always talks about lust of pride, lust of the flesh, because it's going to be led by those feelings and emotions without any understanding, without anyone to guide it. That's our body. But it is an enemy against God. Another thing you can call it is like our, it's our earth suit. So if you think, when you look in the mirror in the morning, and after it scares you for a second, if you think that's the real you, it's not who you really are. Everyone should have said amen. Because I can look back from when I was in high school, which is not very long ago, and realized I'm not the same person who I was. I played basketball on Thursday night with a couple guys, and guess what? My body tells me you are not the same athlete that you were back in high school where I could I dunked the basketball the first time when I was in eighth grade. Guess what? I'm good to touch rim. I'm good. Some people are like, I'm good to touch net. Some are like, I'm good to get up in the morning. <laughs> but we know we're not exactly <laughs> the same that we were. And my, and my mother reminds me that all the time. If you don't know Miss Dorothy, she makes a great humble pie. Um, it is wonderful and always comes when you least expect it. Um, I was fixing dinner the other day, and she was, I got home late from, from work because you don't know we, we stay, me and Olivia stay with my mother in our house because guess what? My, my mom and my dad's house, my father has a mansion and it has many rooms. And so I don't feel the need for us to go and spend money when my father has a house with many rooms in it and a pool house just like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So I'm kind of living my dream of living in a pool house just like Will Smith did. And that was always a cool show to me. If you don't know what that show is, you can look it up on YouTube. If you don't know what YouTube is, I'm sorry. Um, you're just behind. There's, there's nothing we can do for you. But getting dinner late and I had several pieces of pizza on a plate about to warm it up. She said, um... You don't eat all that? I said, well, I'm kind of hungry. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And then, as only mom can, I don't really eat all that. <laughs> and as a son, what are you going to say? Nothing. You're just going to take it because you cannot say anything back to mama. That is an understanding of the spirit. That is a revelation that God has given to me over the years that you do not speak back to mama. Because dad can always come and he backs her up as well. So, but you live in a body. This is not who you are. Just like I love that song. All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. This is not the bodysuit that I'm going to be in the rest of my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So you have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Again, setting this foundation for your authority in the spirit. So, when it comes, though, to the things of the spirit, one thing you have to remember is that in this earth, based off people that you communicate with, you talk to, you can fool everyone. You can 
live a life in front of people that you want them to believe about you. You can be somebody different at church than you are really at home. You can be somebody different at work than you are really at church. You can lie to friends and family. You can create this persona to fool people and trick people, but you cannot fool the spiritual realm. You cannot lie to things that are unseen. So the things of the spirit, things that are unseen, you have things that you do not see that are working on your side. The Bible says angels are ministering spirits. You have, you have things like the armor of God, which we're going to discuss um, in a, in a, next week. You have things that are completely designed to help you out, and then you have things that are unseen that are completely designed to shut you down. Again, this is the reality of the spirit. I was reading online, I believe it was, it may have been harder because I was reading a bunch of statistics, and they always have a bunch of statistics, but read on statistics online that somewhere between 30 to 40 percent of people that consider themselves Christians or believers do not necessarily believe in hell. 30 to 40 percent, not sure if hell exists. Hell exists. I don't want to go there. To, I don't want to find out. I'm going to, I'm going to take the word on it. You don't have to show me. You don't have to let I believe that hell exists. But, again, that's, that's limiting ourselves to think that, well, you know, God's just all hugs and kisses and everything's just fine. And, Daddy, no, we are in a spiritual war. And there are things that want to see us dead. And there are things that want to see us succeed and be very successful. One of them is the most powerful being in the universe who is your heavenly father. But there was someone else who thought he could overtake him, and that's the devil. And so he wants to see you fail. He wants to see you. If we were, um, when we took a, a mission trip to Romania, toward the end of the trip, Taylor Fisher, Pastor Sam's daughter, got really sick. And so throughout the trip, I'm like her other big brother, so I had to take care of her, make sure she was hydrated, make sure she was drinking plenty of water, make sure she didn't stay out in the sun too long. But when we came back, she was feeling better. She was like, well, that was just, you know, the enemy was, was attacking us. You know, she overcame. She still ministered. She still fought through, so she was still loving as, and serving as best she could. And when she said, you know, you know, he just wanted to slow me down. I was like, no, he wanted to kill you. <laughs> that was not just a... Oh, I'm just going to slow tail down. No, he wants us dead. If he can use the closest person to you to make you doubt the word of God, he will. He will use your parents. He will use your significant other. He will use your brothers, sisters. He will use something that somebody said. Like when, when Mark was talking on the prophetic and there were things that maybe we weren't unsure about or maybe were things we didn't understand, he wanted to make you doubt God's word and twist the things that Martin said. And you know what? Why I'm encouraging was really good is that even if you didn't, Pastor Sam said, I didn't 100% agree with everything Martin said, but you know what it did? It made you go look at the word and find out what it says. And if you didn't do that, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. But it should have made you go back. And if there was something you heard that, well, maybe that wasn't, did I hear that right? Maybe I didn't understand. You should have, one, went back and re-listened to the message and then went to the Word of God and say, okay, God, what are you saying about this? Because it's better that we're talking about the Word and discussing it than discussing all the other stuff in the world that's going on and trying to figure out um, how many fancy points I should, I should get this weekend because of uh, Tony Romo throwing three touchdowns. Like, that should not be our biggest concern in life. So even if you're... Even if you're hearing something today, or the next couple weeks, something I say or anyone else says, go to the Word, come talk to somebody, one of the pastors, come talk to me, come talk to anyone, and let's discuss it. But that's, you have to understand, that's a ploy by the enemy to get you to doubt God's Word. So, reality of the Spirit, you have things that are working for you and things that are working against you. And we shouldn't be ignorant of his devices and his plans. Amen? When I played basketball in high school, we would get a scouting report of the team. And if it was a star player who was really good, we got everything from his favorite hand to what to dribble with, to what type of shoes he likes to wear, to if you step on his shoes, he can get him, you can get him frustrated. 
We got a scouting report about everything that they like to do and things they don't like to do. And if they're a really bad coach, we write O for life, meaning they're not going to make a shot, dare them to shoot because they're not very good. That was usually the scouting report they got from me because I didn't play that much. But you know what? Proved them wrong. Anyways, so we would get a scouting report of everything that people like to do. Just in that analogy, there's a scouting report for your life. I hope that didn't freak anyone out. I hope that's not new news to somebody. But the things that get you irritated, the things that when, it's, when you say push my buttons, if you say, man, that really pushed my buttons, there is a demonic force saying, okay, I'll write that down. Make fun of Clint Staples. Push and try to push his buttons, but you don't know if Clint Staples makes fun of himself because he's very confident in who God has made him to be. Amen? That's who we should be. But there's a scatter report on the things that can upset you, things that you're not quite confident when it comes to God's word. Maybe you're really, really strong when it comes to believing that God has just redeemed you, that you are saved, and hallelujah, you know you're not going to be separated from God. You're going to be eternally living with him. But when it comes to finances, maybe you're unsure that God is for you completely in that area. Or when it comes to healing, you're quick to quote the scripture, yo, by Jesus Christ, I'm healed. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, you know, I, well, I, you know, God, he, he, it's okay. Like, God made this sickness come upon me to try and teach me something. If you're confused in that area, you better believe the enemy's going to try to attack you in that area to make you doubt God's word. So the reality is, we have somebody that wants us dead, but thank God, but God, hallelujah, but God, he's defeated. My dad described it like this. It's almost like playing a poker game. You have the best hand in every situation. The only way you lose is if you fold. You will never be defeated by the enemy in any situation. Because right now, some of us are thinking of situations that we've struggled with for years. Some of us are thinking of, I just can't get this little bit of debt. I get it right to the very end, and then something else comes up, and we, we go into debt again. Or I just can't get this. I have this person at work, and I've tried to love them. I've tried to be nice to them, but they are just this close to me asking them a question. Does it smell like chloroform to you? And then taking them and putting them in a closet and just forgetting about them. But there are people this close, and you think that, thank you for laughing, and you think that I just can't get over it. We're thinking of different things in our heads. Let me tell you something. If you do not give up, God is, will sustain you. He will strengthen you. He will carry you. And he will, you will see God's success if you will just hand it over to the Lord. Do not give up. The Father is with you. He is standing by your side. Amen? Okay, so you cannot lie to the, you cannot fool the spirit. What you believe, the spirit knows. Where you stand in your faith, where you stand in your walk with God, God knows. The areas that you, you're weak in, God knows, and he's trying to strengthen you, he's trying to walk you along. But the areas that you are, the same areas that you're weak in, the enemy knows, and he wants to constantly attack you there. So, we have things working for us. We have things working against us. And that's where we come to talking about our authority that we have. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Has been given unto me. And he turns and he gives that authority to us. So if you're saying, well, how did he get all the authority in heaven and earth? Don't go to Matthew, go to Romans 5. Okay? Everyone turn to Romans chapter 5. When we get there, say amen. Amen. So this foundation has been built, starting with Pastor Corey talking about the integrity of God's word. And then it was built upon with the prophetic taught by Martin. 
So now we're going to build upon that, talking about your authority. So Romans 5, verse 1. What's the first word in your Bible? Therefore. So as you've heard before, you got to see what the therefore is there for. So you stay at Romans 5. I'm going to read you Romans chapter 4. Verse 12. So we're talking and then talking about your authority. Paul begins to explain about Abraham and his faith and his righteousness. And I'll pick up in verse 12. It says that the, the father of those circumcised persons who are not nearly circumcised, but also walk in the way of that faith with our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham or his posterity that he should inherit the world did not come through observing the commands of the law, but it came through the righteousness of faith. If it is the heirs of the law who are to be the heirs, then faith is made futile and empty. So basically saying if it's based on your actions, then it's made futile and empty of all meaning and the promise of God is made void. For the law results in divine wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression of it either. Or there's no transgression of sins where there's no law. If you've ever been, if you've heard people talk about something called the Autobahn in Germany, there's not a speed limit on that thing. So you can get on there and go 100, and a cop is not going to say, hey, 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 hey. Do you know what you were doing, sir? They always ask that question. <laughs> do, you know, do you know why I pulled you off her? I'm hoping you can tell me. But, so there's no law to stop you, so you can just keep driving. But when there's a law, we're made aware of sin is what it is talking about. Therefore, in 16, the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace or an unmerited favor to make stable and valid and guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the devotees and inheritors of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As is written, I've made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. He gives his life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he was foretold and promised as if they existed. For Abraham... Hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised, so numberless shall your descendants be. Because he did not weaken in faith when he considered the impotence of his own body. He did not look at his own flesh, but instead, which was good as dead, and the Amphibian says because he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. No belief or distrust made him waver, Concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. So there's that worship again. Fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. This is why his faith was credited to him as righteousness and right standing with God. And then you go to five. Because of that, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him also we have access by faith into this grace state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely stand. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. So we have our authority through faith. Through our faith. And something, what I was talking about when the Lord was speaking to me and I was studying, and he was saying, your authority lies within many different avenues or channels and places. But it all comes down to your faith. And then when he was speaking to me, and this is what I heard, and I didn't know that the Lord can just drop rhymes on us, but he said, your faith is a spiritual invitation into your situation. Again, this is your authority. This is what you can, you have control over. Your, your faith is a spiritual invitation into your situation. I was like, well, God, a spiritual invitation, who's it invites? And he said, you can invite whoever you want to to the situation. 
you can stand on my word over here, and you can invite my joy, my peace, my patience, my power, and everything that I that comes with me, you can invite that into the situation. Or you can go over here, and you can invite fear, you can invite doubt, you can invite worry, you can invite anything suspicious of, of whoever it may be. Whatever situation it is, your faith invites someone into that situation. Different channels, I mean, different things that we say, that we declare out. Things that we, that we have, that vows that we've made. Well, you know, I will never again trust someone that says blah, 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 blah. <coughs> or you know, the next time a pastor tries to tell me how to live my life, I'm just going to blah, 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 blah. That's your faith. No one can do anything with your faith but you. But when it comes to the situation, when it's happening, when it's going on, realize that your faith is getting ready. Your faith is saying whatever you want. Your faith is under your control. You can believe. You can turn on the news and you can believe that everything that is being said by anybody in our government is just a lie and you don't trust any of them. Or you can turn on, um, <coughs> you can read the newspaper. They still make, they still make newspapers? Yeah. You can read the newspaper and think that you know what, there's no reason for me to, to go and, and go outside because I just might get, just might get hurt. Someone might just, someone's waiting for me to walk outside to just take my money or someone's just going to steal something. And we do that. Our faith powers all these different thoughts and beliefs we have. Beliefs about church. Beliefs about certain people groups. Beliefs about uh, Children, your children, beliefs about your spouse, beliefs about what they're doing, beliefs about what the, the pastors are doing, all these different things, our faith can power the right thoughts and can power the wrong thoughts. But it's your faith. That's complete. Faith can be defined as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Our faith can do that. So your authority lies lies within your faith. Okay. Still in Romans chapter 5, jumping down to verse 8, says, But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for us. Therefore, since we are now justified, did I read that? Did I go that far? No, it's again. Again, we are justified, acquitted, made righteous, and brought into right relationship with God by Christ's blood. How much more certain is that we shall be saved by him from the indignation and wrath of God? For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. It is much more certain now that we are reconciled that we should be saved daily through his life. Not only so, but we also rejoice in exulting glory in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received and enjoy our reconciliation. Verse 12 says, Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man and death as a result of sin, so death spread to all men, no one being able to stop it or escape its power, because all men sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before ever the law was given, but sin is not charged in men's account where there is no law. Yet death held away from Adam to Moses, even those who did not themselves transgress as Adam did. Adam was a type or prefigure of the one who was to come. He was in reverse, the former destructive, the latter being saving. But God's free gift does not all be compared to the trespasses, for many of Many died through one man's falling away, his lap, his offense. Much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one, Jesus Christ, abounds and overflows to us for the benefit of many. Did everyone catch that? Or read it in a familiar text. Maybe this one is a little bit familiar to you. 
Verse 17 of the King James says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And the other translation with the original text, it said, where sin abounded, grace overabounded. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So when I read those scriptures, did you hear anywhere in there talking about how it is based off of your actions, how you have authority? Did you hear in there anything about how grace now comes if you do X, Y, and Z and make sure that you pray on your knees on the third day of the fourth month of the sixth year and make sure you turn to the left and hop on one leg and stick right leg out and right leg in and shake it all about. Did it say anything about that? No. So, your authority has absolutely nothing to do with anything that you've done or did or will do. feel like there's wheels turning. Your authority has not been dictated by your actions. You did not earn the authority that has been given to you. You did not work hard and achieve the authority that was given to you. You did not get to a certain point in your life and God said, you have made it, you have graduated, and now you get this diploma of your authority. But it was by the life and the finished work of Jesus Christ and his precious blood. Again, from the first equipped class, the 365 prophecies that he had to fulfill, that Pastor Corey gave us and read out, he had to fulfill those prophecies, particularly for us. He lived a sinless life for us, for our benefit, so that we could be in heavenly places. We could sit in heavenly places and be called kings and lords so that we could walk in that authority that Christ walked in while he was on the earth. That was done through his life for you so that you could have access to it. Grace. Thank you, Lord, for grace. Grace gives you that access. I had the analogy when I was was talking to the youth about grace and trying to explain it to them. I related to them on their world. This game called Call of Duty. Basically, it's a shooting game. Yeah. You're an army. Yeah, there's some COD fans. So, as a first person shooter, you try to use guns to shoot the other team. And I used to play with um, our drummer, Trevor Lowry, and his brothers, the Lowrys. And you earn certain upgrades based on how long you play the game. So, they've been playing the game for a long time. And I was a big Halo person, which is another game. But I said, okay, I'm going to play with them. And guess what? They have, like, all these rocket launchers, and they have, like, all these medical kits so they can heal themselves after they get shot. And I have, like, a pistol and a grenade. And I'm like, I'm supposed to kill them with this? And I got beat down. When, it, when I say I got beat down, it was like their points were, like, 30, 35, 20, 25. I had, like, two. I got lucky and like threw a grenade somewhere and it blew one of them up. Like that's how like I had to start from square one. But Trevor said, hey, let me log you in with my information so you can have all the stuff that I've earned. So he logged me in under his name and then I had the bazookas and I had all the grenades and medical kits. I still lost, but it was a little bit more respectable score. So instead of 35 and 25 and 20 instead of 2 it was like 9 like I came up in the world you know now, now I'm up in the big leagues got my turn to bat you know because of Trevor giving me access so I told the youth it's like I call it bazooka grace things that I on my own I would not have had access to on my own I had a pistol and a grenade 
But when Trevor said, hey, this is all the work I've done, this is everything that I've worked hard for, that I've spent hours pouring into, that I've spent hours getting to these levels and completing this game, you have complete access to all of that just by being present. Just because I was there and willing to participate, willing to let him take control and give me his login information. Because of that, then I had access to everything that he had worked for. Ladies and gentlemen, that is grace. Because everything that the Father worked for, living a sinless life, living a sinless life, not stepping one foot wrong, even as they were beating him, even as he was bruised, as he was getting ready to hang up on that cross, all of that, did he not ever for one second say, I'm done, I can't do this, this is it. He had the moment where he was testing and he was praying in the garden. He said, this cup compassion me, let it pass, but not my will, but your will be done. And then we saw him go to the cross for us. And he didn't change, he didn't give up, because he wanted you to walk and the same authority that he had when he walked earth. He said, I was victorious as I walked on this earth. I want you to live in that same victory. I was tempted as every man was tempted. You don't have to fall. You don't have to struggle. I know it's hard, but if you would just trust in me, I've given you grace. I've given you access to everything that I work for. Just trust me. Just believe in me. I know it's tough. I know it's not easy. I know it's tough right now. I know you want to give up on that spouse. I know you want to give up on that child. I know you want to give up on on just going and being in relation with, with people altogether. I know you think that you're at a job and it's a dead end job. I know you think that there's no way out, but I am here with you because I was tempted in that exact same way. I was tempted. I was right there, and I have grace for you. I have access to everything that I've worked for, that everything my fathers have. You have access to it. You have access to it. That's our authority that he stood for, that he believed for. So to wrap up, and one of the resources that we were given, Shadow Boxing by Dr. Henry Malone, he talked about in the very first chapter, three defeats, three reasons for defeated or hindrance to your spiritual authority. First point is many believers deny the existence of the spiritual realm or have a lack of knowledge about how the spiritual realm operates. It does, not oper- it does not operate by what we can conjure up in our own mind to try and fool it. Things in the Spirit move by your faith. They move by the Word of God. You have that authority. I'm going to show you really quick what that authority is in just a minute. Number two, the reason for defeat or hinders to your spiritual authority. Number two, you might be losing the rounds of life or different situations because you have bought into an age-old lie of the enemy. So you might be losing in life because you have bought into an age-old lie of the enemy. I know that's one of the points that the Freedom Team uh, people may probably will cover, but they do in, in different Freedom Ministry. What lie am I believing? Number three, Willingness to compromise with the enemy is one of the major causes of failure in the life of a believer. And I have a scripture reference from that. I believe it's Matthew 4, 11, when Jesus was tempted. There was no compromise. When he was talking to the enemy, he did not deal in negotiations with the enemy. So again, talking about the authority that was paid for for you. What I wanted you to gather from this, three three last points, is the spiritual realm does exist. The things you don't see, they're there. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And your authority was not earned, but given. Your authority was given to you. Amen.
Amen. So, I had a worksheet for us, but we're going to do that starting the class next week. But, I spent precious hours <laughs> trying to figure out how I could get these in easily handout form. I had to get the brain trust of my mother and my wife to figure this out. And now I can't figure out how to open a Ziploc bag. <laughs> For those of you who are listening, or will be listening through the internet and cannot see me, or maybe will see me, I am struggling with a Ziploc bag. I just ripped it. Creating solutions. That's right, Kenny. And I will not pass all these out. If you don't want one, you don't have to get one. But I have in these little pieces of tape seeds. And I've done this like three or four different times. I love doing this. I did it to a men's meeting way back in the day. My first camping experience, so I realized I was not made for camping. But the youth group, Pastor Corey and the youth group took me anyways. It was the worst experience of my life. It rained. My sleeping bag got wet. And we won't go into the other stuff that happened. I woke up in the morning and I brushed my teeth. I said, what are you doing? We're out in the wilderness. We're men. I said, well, my brush stinks. I brought toothbrush and toothpaste because if we were meant to live out here, we wouldn't build homes. Anyway, um, but these seeds... There's a scripture that says, but if you have faith of the size of the grain of mustard seed, these are mustard seeds. Karen, can you see these? Yes. Are they very big? No. No, they're not very big. Jesus said, this is all you need. That's right. To move them out. Wow. Yeah. I spent time taping a bunch of them, so everyone can take one. You want to go with these types of things? So they're very small, so I have to just pour them on tape and tape them and cut them. So you may say, well, I only have one. Jesus said, if you just have faith inside the of your seat. So even if you have one, God said, that's all you need. Because I've done all the work. I did everything that you possibly I'm taking care of it. So if you would just believe and trust in me, you will overcome. Amen? That's our authority. So we're going to build upon that in the next couple weeks. Talk about the reality of the Spirit and specifically our spiritual authority. So please, please come back. Please take some time. If you've taken notes, the Holy Spirit has taught you Read over them. Spend some time with the Lord. If you've heard anything that you have a question about, if you heard anything you're unsure about, write those questions down while you're studying. Take them on the pastors or bring them back next week and we'll talk about them. Or I'll talk about it with you. But we want you to feel that when you believe or when, we've done, when we're done with these weeks of equipped classes that you are equipped and you are better prepared than when you came in. Amen? We do that whenever, I mean, the plan of going to college is that you come out with a degree that's going to help you better than when you walked in. I don't want for everyone. But that's the plan. <laughs> with God's plan, is foolproof. You know how to work. Amen? So let's pray. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the authority we have through your son, Jesus Christ, and his precious blood. God, we thank you so much. So much for that, God. We know it wasn't anything that we did to deserve it, Father. But we know it's by your grace that we can freely receive. We can freely walk in the power that you've given us. God, I thank you. I, right now, I speak against any attack or plan of the enemy, God. And wants to try and make us doubt your word and doubt your love for us, Father. I pray that we walk out of here, Father, encouraged and uplifted by your word, yes. that we trust completely in your word and your love for us, God, and that we realize that we are overcomers, Father, that you have a plan and purpose for each of our lives, Father. Yes. God, I speak to those that 
maybe have been attacked, Father God, with the idea that you don't care about their situation, that it's too small, and why would God of the universe care about my little situation that's going on? Why would, why would he care? God says that you love us so much that you would leave the 99 to go to the back. But you choose to be with us. You choose to inhabit our lives. You chose. You wanted so badly to be back in relationship with us, God. But you sent your son. Poured out everything, every ounce of wrath that you have on this life so that we can be joined with you. You love us.